I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in episode 114 of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football. I am your humble host, as always, Evan Brown, the humblest host in the biz. You can catch me on Twitter at FFEvanLution. You can follow the show at Dynasty Debates, or you can drop me an email, DynastyDebates at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, things you want to hear more of or less of on the show, let me know. Hopefully you're enjoying these divisional breakdowns. I know I sure am. We covered off the Bengals yesterday. It was a great time had by all, and by all I mean me and Dave. We are back again covering more AI. AFC North. Today we are going to have a little peek behind the curtain, little look-see, see what we can find out here, some more buys, sells, holds, and see what we can find out about the second best team in the division last year. Guys, just a quick PSA if you haven't been listening lately. Um, these particular episodes, these last couple of divisional breakdowns, they have been pre-recorded end of July time. I am away in the States for three whole weeks on holiday with my fam. So I wanted to make sure you didn't miss out on any sweet, sweet content. But uh, yeah, if there's any sort of like training camp injuries or anything like that that have just happened that we missed out, that's why. But 90, 90% of the, you know, 95, 99% of the information is still 100% good to go. And I think it'll get you ready and get you hyped for the season. Without any further ado, let's jump right in into it the main event right right here we are folks we are back again we're talking afc north this week i am here with the man the myth the legend dave wright at ff underscore spaceman on twitter give him a follow if you aren't already if you missed the Bengals talk yesterday go back and check it out it was spicy it was great i enjoyed it i learned a lot i'm sure you probably did as well today we're talking the pittsburgh steelers and there's a lot to talk about because again we're going to give you a recap of last year any major moves in the offseason some project projections and predictions for 2022 and a couple of useful buy sell hold stash trade uh, targets for you on your dynasty rosters getting ready for football right around the corner so without further ado um, Pittsburgh Steelers finished nine seven and one last year second in division just missed out on the playoffs the uh, the coaching staff has stayed the same head coach Mike Tomlin and OC Matt Canada nothing majorly changing as far as the uh, the kind of thought process or maybe the regime itself the way they like to attack the game the biggest change as we all know is big ben finally rode off into the sunset he is officially retired which is not going to be honestly it's not going to be a downgrade for them at this stage he was pretty awful last year i think he stayed a year too long which happens a lot of the time it happens with a lot of the great quarterbacks i think that happened to him i'm glad that he did just hang it up and didn't try and push it and come back again one more time so um to try and fill that void they they signed Mitchell Trubisky 
to a two-year, $14.2 million contract, which is not a lot of money. And they signed a couple other players here. They did. They brought in Gunnar Olszewski from New England Patriots on a two-year deal, returner extraordinaire. Um, unfortunately, very sad news. Dwayne Haskins passed away. He was one of the guys that we were sort of questioning. Could he potentially um, you know, come in and, and fight for that job maybe um, in a really tragic accident? Um, Dwayne Haskins passed away, sadly. And in the draft, the Pittsburgh Steelers selected Kenny Pickett in the first round, the only quarterback to be selected in the top, what was it, three rounds, basically. Um, There's a couple at the very end of the third round, but it was pretty crazy the way that the quarterbacks just fell in the draft. So P- Kenny Pickett goes round one to the Steelers. They also selected George Pickens in round two, um, Calvin Austin the third in round four, Connor Hayward in round six, and Chris Oladukin in round seven. And then last but not least, they did bring in some UDFAs, Mateo Durant and Jalen Warren to help maybe give a little bit of depth to that running back room because it really was just Najee Harris or Bust last year. So an awful lot of change, not in the coaching staff, but just in personnel and things like that. Dave, what are your initial sort of thoughts of the Steelers? How do you feel about them? What's your vibe going into 2022? I will just add to Eric Ebron. They have not signed him back. He's still a free agent. He ran 20 routes per game in the eight games he played. So I think that's another significant a small, maybe under the radar type thing. But my, my biggest thing is it's a changing of the guard. Like you mentioned, big Ben is no longer there. Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator mentioned that this offense was essentially big Ben's offense. And now it is no longer Matt Canada or Canada. I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing his name is really excited to implement some more creative uh, plays from the quarterback position, a lot more flexibility. And I think that's kind of just going forward that this is not the same offense that we've had in years past. And now it, we could see it. Now, I don't think we're gonna have a drastic change, but things are going to be different in Pittsburgh in 2022. Yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. And it's really interesting to sort of dive into and try and figure out what was big Ben, what was the coaching staff? What is this team going to look like? And to that point, um, what we're going to do similar to what I've done all along here on the divisional breakdowns is we're just going to dive into a couple of the sort of more advanced statistics that talk about the team thems itself, uh, how they performed, what they did what they didn't do last year a couple of things that we look at here is for example pace of play so they were actually fifth in pace of play so that is pretty interesting to see they kept you know, kept the plays running, kept the, trying to keep the ball moving. As far as DVOA, that's a really important stat that I always like to look at when I'm looking forward into the next year and things. To DVOA, if you haven't been paying attention to the shows or if you haven't caught up on those shows, just simply stands for defensive value, uh, defensive adjusted value over average. They look at all the plays, they look at all the games, they look at the entire season, and they say, based on the teams they played, based on the situations they found themselves in, here's what we would expect as an average median, and here's how well they did above that or how badly they did below it um and unsurprisingly and to the point that i made earlier the steelers were 20 they were very bad um you know they were pretty much near the bottom definitely bottom third of the league and interestingly i will point out because i think a lot of people it's a very strange people have very weird ways of thinking about things so i think everyone agreed last year that big ben was terrible and everyone said that he was awful but now that he's out of town everyone's like trying to downgrade their weapons and say that, you know, it's a bad situation and it's just not going to be good for fantasy and things. So, I mean, the year before when big Ben, you know, they were 22nd in DVOA. So again, it's not like this is this big, massive change swing up or swing down. Um, I just don't think, I think that that's a little bit narrative that we're kind of making up. Yes peak big ben maybe 10 years ago of course that would be a massive loss and that would be a big change but last year's big ben 
I think most players, I think even if Mitchell Trubisky plays the entire year, that's an upgrade for the Steelers offense and what they can achieve um, based on what Big Ben had to offer last year. So again, another thing that we try and look at here um, to try and break down, give us a little bit of a, a, a map, a guide to, to look at what we're thinking and what we're expecting is their success rates for run, for pass, and just overall as an offense. And to put some context to that, so a successful play is considered a play where they gain at least 40% of yards to go on a first down, 60% of yards to go on a second down, and 100% of yards to go on a third or fourth down. Within that context, interestingly enough, they only had a 45% run success rate, which was 25th in the NFL. So again, bottom third of the league, their offensive line was pretty terrible. It's not surprising. Um, Najee was not particularly efficient either. Um, And then as far as passing 43% pass success, which was 27. So even worse, somehow they were even worse at passing than they were at running. Um, So that's not great either for a combined total of 44% successful play rates. When you combine passing and um, rushing, which was 27th in the league out of 32 teams, you do the math. It's not great, Bob. Um, As far as the actual passing goes, it's interesting to note that they did have the second highest target volume last year, 609 pass attempts. So they absolutely were slinging the ball as much as Noodle Arm Ben could. Um, And and the way that they distribute their passes is very interesting as well. So they they were the seventh highest percentage to the wide receiver. 64.5% of the targets were going to the wide receiver position. They were 26th to running back, only 17.2%. The reason it felt like Najee was getting so many targets is because he was basically getting all of the targets that were going to the running back. It's not that they just pepper the running back with targets. Um, They're actually nearer the bottom of the barrel as far as um, passing to the the running back position and 25th to the tight end at 18.2%. The reason, again, some of those numbers felt really good was because it was such a large pie to cut up at 609 pass attempts. So we could see that come down a little bit. But if those numbers stay the same, that could hurt us for Najee. That could hurt us for potentially even Firemuth because they're not really passing to those positions a lot. Now, again, that can change with the new quarterbacks coming in and what they tend to do, but just as far as the scheme and how they're running things at the moment, those are some of the kind of underlying stats and things that we can kind of look at. Um, Dave, do you have any sort of key takeaways, any thoughts from hearing those numbers, or I'm sure you already know those numbers. You're a number whiz. Um, And then again, after you've given us your thoughts, can you just give me a number between one and 10? How confident are you in the Steelers team for fantasy football moving into 2022? So one thing that stood to me when you said the fifth for pace of play in the passing game, and you and you mentioned there alluded that they had there's such a big pie to accompany that with, and that's what I think that and the reason why that passing game was so fast is that Big Ben has the ability to get people in position and snap that ball fast or in a fast, quick pace. When you go to Mitch Trubisky, his first year in this offense, Kenny Pickett, a rookie in his first year in this offense. there's definitely a reason where you could see them slow the ball down that that defense was not great last year, but they can try to rely on their defense, go more of a run, continue to be more run control type of uh, of a style there. And that's how you could see the over when you're trying to do projections and try to see what this, how this team's going to shape out compared to other offenses. I think that's something you have to be really cognizant of and though it could affect the volume for some, because there's a lot of names on this offense that are really important to fantasy and how, that projection of overall play volume could significantly impact how well they do in fantasy this year. 
Yeah, that that is a really solid point because we could easily, like you said, see a, a team that's maybe fifth in pace of play go down to like a middle of the pack, even just, you know, like 15th, 16th, 17th. That affects us a little bit. Then if the pie gets a little bit smaller, you know, that can affect us a little bit. Now, again, on the positive side, I will say, you know, we, when we look at DVOA, when we look at, you know, Big Ben's pass grades, PFF grades, they were all pretty atrocious. So even if the pie gets a little bit smaller, but the efficiency goes up a little bit, it still could balance itself out in some ways. So I don't think we need to be too terrified of the weapons because one thing i will say um is that mike tallman is one of the best coaches in the nfl i really believe in him i trust him um i think that he's going to get the most out of these players so i am fairly optimistic but what kind of if you had to put a number on it one to ten where are you at for your offensive skill position players moving into 2022 for the pittsburgh steelers i'd say about a six so a little so five i consider pretty neutral six is that there's just so much talent on this offensive side of the ball that puts me at six now a lot of question marks to be answered. We haven't seen a Big Ben uh, Steelers without a Big Ben for 15 years, so except for a little bit of Mason Rudolph here and there. So, yeah, so I, usually I bet on talent. They have lots of talent in this team. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the thing. The coaching staff and just the raw talent that they do have, I think there's some question marks. I'm I'm pretty similar. I'd probably give myself about a six or six and a half. Um, I would be a lot more if I knew exactly, even just knew for sure which quarterback was going to be playing um, and just kind of knew what we could expect there. But again, I trust Tomlin to, if if Kenny Pickett's not ready, just to say, I don't mind if he sits the entire year. That doesn't bother me. I'm not going to stress out about that because um, he's so secure in his role there. I don't think he's worried about his job or anything like that. He doesn't have that pressure that some quarter, you know, some coaches would have with a first-year um, rookie quarterback where they feel like they need to play him, their job's on the line. So what about then, if we're looking at, we've talked about our confidence levels, we've talked about what we can try and maybe expect out of the Steelers moving into 2022. What about some actual players then? So if we're looking at a guy maybe that you want to acquire that you're hoping to get on the team because you think his value is just going to increase or you think he's maybe not quite appropriately priced, who? what name goes to the top of your list there, Dave? This is probably a little bit of a popular name, but it's Pat Fryermuth. You'll, uh, I think there's two types of players in Dynasty right now, or generally, and one there's two different camps of Pat Fryermuth. The first camp is the TD regression Fryermuth. He had 63 receiving yards per receiving touchdown, which was the third best rate in the NFL last season behind only Hunter Henry and Dawson Knox. So he was people, you know, you don't, you're never really due for TD regression, but I would expect some kind of reversion to a little bit more normal TD rate coming into the next year. However, and another thing that these, the detractors will say, he only played 62% of the snaps and he played behind Zach freaking Gentry and the ghost of Eric Ebron in, in the playoff loss to Kansas city. And he only had a 12.3% target share. That's not a lot of a target share. And that's barely among the top 24 tight ends in the NFL last season. And he, like Jared Cook, Dan Arnold, and Austin Hooper had more a higher target share last year. So, and his 5.2 ADOT, which is really low, that was 32nd of thir- or that was the 32nd ranked out of 34 NFL tight ends with at least 40 targets last season. So that's the real the people who want to hate on Fryermuth and they think he's overrated that he was driven by TDs last season. That's what you're gonna get. But then I kind of I find it kind of fall a little bit more with the, I think what the football call the fantasy footballers call the Luth crowd or whatever they, however they uh, say it. Uh, there have been yeah. nine tight ends yes. since two thousand. <laughs> there have been nine tight ends since uh, two thousand to break out with at least one hundred twenty five PPR points or a top twelve finish in their rookie year. Only Seattle's John Carlson went on to have a disappointing fantasy career after that. He averaged nine point five ADOT and a thirteen point one yards per reception in college with Trace McSorley and Sean Clifford as his QBs at Penn State. And it's a sad day when Trace McSorley and Sean Clifford are able to get the target moot down the field further 
than Ben Roethlisberger. So that's so I, I think he has the ability to, to work down the field and be a weapon down there, unlike his eight out last year said. And he was eighth in, in PFF tight end receiving grade as a rookie. That is impressive. We have some impressive tight ends nowadays. We have Waller. We have Kittle. I mean, everyone knows the names of all these great tight ends. And he was eighth in receiving grade for PFF. And he's going to tight end nine, despite all these positive things that he did in his first year as a 22-year-old rookie. He's still going ninth, according to DLF ADP, positional ADP. And I'm bet on, and usually you think in Dynasty, they bet on these young ascending players. And he's still the the, the caution, the the people are tempered in their love of Fryermuth. And, and it varies from manager to manager. But if you can find the right type of, in, in a startup or an inexpensive bet or in redraft, he's a... I think he can be an expensive bet to really outperform his ADP. Yeah, no, I, I like that one a lot. And I'm glad you actually mentioned the PFF as well, because I've been doing one of the side projects I've been working on over the summer was just looking at sort of PFF and how it correlates to fantasy football or does it correlate to fantasy football? What are the, you know, is it, better signal in certain positions, things like that. And I've just been looking at the last five years really, because I think if we go further back, things have changed a lot in the last five years, even. So I don't, I don't think it's really overly valuable to look at like, Oh, well, 10 years ago, this many quarterbacks and this many tight ends. But in the last five years off the top of my head, again, I just, what you said reminded me, I was going to, it's an article. I'm actually working on the tight end article at the moment for the, you know, I call it putting the FF in PFF. And um, I believe it's only four rookie tight ends have been a top 12 PFF grade in the last like five years. And like of the four, it was like Pitts, Friermuth, um, I want to say Evan Ingram and potentially it might have been, um, Chris Herndon, Chris Herndon, that's yep, it. Uh, Chris Herndon. Herndon the fourth, Christopher Herndon, the fourth in some of my databases. <laughs> yes. Chris Herndon, the fourth, that is correct. But yeah, so, I mean, I think that, you know, to the point there where three of the four, you know, those guys were really, really good at uh, two of them, you know, so I, I, I think he, he ticks a lot of boxes that I mean, definitely worth a, a, a bet worth making, especially, you know, for a rookie tight end to do that is pretty impressive. So I agree with that completely. I, um, my, my actual buy is George Pickens and it's for a lot of reasons. I really loved his tape. Um, this last year, I'm more of a tape sort of um, grinder, if you will, rather than a numbers. Uh, so this has been miserable for you then, listening to my numbers, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I totally respect and appreciate the work. You know, you guys are doing the Lord's work out there. I'm just not smart enough to do it. I get lost um, in the spreadsheets and in the numbers. So I really loved his tape. I really loved what he um, brought to the game. My only real concerns with him were apparently some character issues, a little bit of immaturity, things like that apparently surfaced. But then when he goes the second round and he goes to literally the best landing spot possible for a wide receiver in my opinion because they know how to get the best out of their wide receivers again mike tomlin's an incredible coach i mean look what look at how he managed to keep ab and um and co on the rails there for so long it's pretty impressive so i'm really excited about that he comes in at wide receiver 45 at the moment on sleeper superflex adp so you're not having to pay a lot. I think a lot of people have cooled on him or just aren't that excited about him. Maybe it's the uncertainty at the quarterback position. Maybe it's knowing that Deontay Johnson's a stud, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're not going to pay Deontay Johnson. If Deontay Johnson leaves, they don't seem to really want to pay up for their wide receivers other than AB. Um, and, you know, we're not sure about what's happening with Chase Claypool. So there's a world in which George Pickens is either the wide receiver one next year or 
maybe the wide receiver too. Um, and again, a great coaching staff. They know how to develop wide receivers. I think he's a very talented dude. He had an injury, which I think that is what impacted his um, kind of status within this, this wide receiver class. I would say for me, George Pickens is certainly a buy. He's probably my biggest buy at the moment on the Steelers. But what about then if you're, so if you're wanting to get prep prior move, who are you wanting to get rid of? Like if there's somebody that you've got that you're like, Hey, I need to get out from under this guy, or I need to sell at peak value. Who would you pick? out deep. man i feel like i've been turned into a hater by these questions like the, i hate joe burrow yesterday and now today it's Najee harris and i need to preface this by saying this isn't uh volume is king and i know that people say that and then they just go but 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 this no i'm gonna full stop volume is king in fantasy football harris led the nfl in touches as a rookie in 2021 he had 12 more touches than Jonathan Taylor last year in, fa- in fantasy. I'm not sure about week 17 or whatever, but in fan- the fantasy season, he had 12 more touches. He was the PPRB3 and the RB6 in points per game at 18.2 last season. That is freaking impressive. Uh, he's also my dynasty RB3. So I so I think this qualifies me as not being a hater. I, I do not hate Najee Harris. Now, that being said, I don't have any. I've never had Najee Harris on a single roster. Redraft, best ball. I've never had him. I don't know what it is. I think I've, I took Jamar Chase over him. That's what, like, usually if I had to do it, I was always Jamar Chase over him or, or it was Jonathan Taylor slipped at points last year. So that's, that's how it kind of went down. But I expect the rushing volume on this team to remain top five in the NFL in 2022. So I think the volume is still going to be there. Now, last year, Najee was the king of the dump offs. He led, he blew away the NFL in dump offs because Big Ben didn't have the, well, I think that's maybe exaggerating a little bit, but he did not have, he was not the same Big Ben where he pushed the ball down the field. He dumped it off. He took the sure thing. And a lot of that happened inside the red zone. He would dump it off to Najee Harris. And that's where a lot of his targets came from. So I think we might see a decrease in his overall target rate. And then it comes down to his... So I think that could be affected as a volume, but I still think he's going to be... I'm not... I don't think I'm trying to besmirch him by saying that. And then outside of... So he was really good at forcing missed tackles too. He was first in forced missed tackles overall. Uh, but one, because just the volume. So the overall numbers he was first overall but then in an evasion rate so a percentage of actual touches he was 11 so that's still pretty good he was very good at missed tackles and people know that evasion rate or juke rate or we're going to call it it's indicative of rb talent they equate it to rb talent if you can make if you cause missed tackles that means you're pretty outside of volume how good you are in fantasy so he's pretty freaking good at running back the only thing is outside of that his efficiency is pretty bad he uh his his pff rushing grade his yards after contact uh and his breakaway run rate were all in the middle of the pack. He, he does not really shine in other efficiency metrics. Now, that, who cares? Because volume is king. So that's why I'm saying he's still my RB3. He's just a guy that I'm willing. He's And the thing is, he's already 24 years old. He was an older prospect. And as someone who I like to really capitalize at younger ages on my running backs. And once that value reaches their max, I like to keep turning over my running backs and you, so it's not a lot, lot left of Najee at his peak value. So that's one reason why I'm selling him there. But overall, tremendous runner. He can handle the workload and volume is king. So that, I, I try to be as nice as I could with that, with that bye-bye for Najee. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. I think, you know, to your point, um, we have to just look at the fact that 
he comes in at the moment, I believe is RB two in ADP on sleeper. So I think that's what you're saying is that look right now he can't, his value can't really get any higher. I mean, it could potentially move into RB one, but RB one, RB two is not that big a difference. And then we have to look at the cautionary tales of CMC and Saquon and all these guys. I mean, RBs just, you never know. Unfortunately, it'd be great if we could say, well, we'll definitely get four years. And then after that, we don't know. You just don't know. So I understand it completely. I see both sides. I'm happy holding him. If I have him at the moment because he is still only in his second year. And I think for the next couple of years, as long as he stays healthy, he's in one of those situations like Tennessee where he's going to get a lot of work. Um, but at the same time, I totally get where you're coming from. I certainly come from the camp of like anytime I can get a massive return on a running back, I'm probably just going to take that um, because there's other guys that I can use to fill that void and then get the extra plus on top. So for me, my goodbye isn't as exciting as yours. Um, it is Mitch Trubisky. It, it, it's not that you're going to get a lot for him, but I just am not convinced. I'm not confident in him for any sort of long-term solution in dynasty. So even if he got to play this whole year, which could happen, I think that there's a lot of quarterbacks coming in next year. Um, there's just going to be less and less room for these kind of fringe guys in, in, in the NFL other than for backup rules. So for me, I, I think that, you know, whether it's at the start of the season, whether it's halfway through the season, whether it's at the end of the season, I think Kenny Pickett is clearly going to get a shot. He, they drafted him in the first round. They know what they're doing. They're a good coaching staff. They're going to give him a shot. Trubisky isn't the long-term option, probably like 95% chance. He's not the long-term solution here. Uh, he didn't get paid that much money. Even at the time before they draft him, we we're sort of like, well, that's kind of backup money. I don't really know what's going on here. Maybe they're just hedging their bets and that's a smart move to make. So for me, it's just sort of a matter of, again, talking about what we talked about with the guys that you can flip into, you know, higher draft capital. If you can take Mitch Trubisky, uh, if it sounds like, you know, going into week one, he's the starter and you're a middle of the pack team in a super flex league and you can take Mitch Trubisky and you're second and move it into a first, something like that. I would be happy to do that because I, I just don't see him as a long-term option. And, you know, if you can make some money while the, if you make hay while the sun shines, I would go ahead and do that. Um, but what about a sneaky stash then? Is there any guys that jump out to you as like, Hey, there's some opportunity here or somebody that you might want to like scoop up for free or really cheap that you could see some ROI on my sneaky stash, which is actually a really sneaky stash is uh, Jalen Warren. And I actually didn't even think of him until today. So I actually went out and put a bunch of roster uh, waiver wire claims on him. And I think we all know now that Benny Snell, who Benny Snell is at this point. And I, and I actually don't even mind targeting uh, Anthony McFarland. He, uh, he has the, the athleticism, not, not the best size, but solid size. And he's, but the only thing with him, he's already been there for two years. This is going into his third year. So he hasn't, not that he's had opportunity to do it, but he hasn't done it yet for year one. He had more opportunity than he did year two. And now she just took over. But so why not just take a, a, on a guy who's literally free, I think in 12 and 14 team leagues, I'd be shocked if he's rostered in 12 and 14 team dynasty leagues. Uh, why Jalen Warren? He's an average athlete, so he has decent speed. And the big thing for me is he had a 275 touch season at Oklahoma State in his final season. And then he had an impressive 25 receptions. So not only could he handle the load, but he also had 25 catches. So he could potentially, it's like, say he, they fall in love with him in Pittsburgh. He was a UDFA, so likelihood he doesn't make the team. So it's easy. If he doesn't make the team, you cut him and you just keep churning that waiver wire. But I like to try to find, no, I don't think you're going to find people talk about Jalen Warren anywhere. And so, and it's, it, it, waiver wires becoming more and more competitive. So why not go out and make a, a thing on Jalen Warren? And if it doesn't work out, who cares? You drop him, you go to the next guy. 
I love those kind of moves. That's certainly what you want to do in the offseason, especially as we're coming up on training camp and preseason and things like that. I mean, literally this time last year, well, once, you know, uh, you know, actual training camp was starting, this is where I was finding out about KJ Osborne and hearing word on the street is that he was, you know, really tearing it up in camp and they were excited for him and things like that. And, you know, nobody was really talking about him was able to scoop him up for free. And, you know, he was a valuable asset. So exactly that you look at these, if you want to find like, you want to find running back depth charts that are, that are either ambiguous and just get the cheapest option or one where there's somebody like a Derrick Henry or like a, just an absolute bell cow. Like, man, if this guy does go down again, we don't want people to get injured. We just know that the reality is in the NFL people keep injured. And if they got injured, you know, who could benefit from that? Cause you could have a league winner there. My sneaky stash is actually Calvin, Calvin Austin. The third, um, he is a really fun wide receiver there out of Memphis. He's small. He's shifty. He's very, very speedy. He had a great production profile in college he was part of the track team he's an absolute like just stud guy he was an amazing athlete he comes in at wide receiver 88 on sleeper so pretty free you could even potentially see him on the waiver wire um, if it's a smaller leagues things like that i think for me um, if you're in any sort of a league that rewards like return yardage i'm assuming that he'll be involved in the return game things like that but more than that, I was actually thinking about this and I looked into it. Um, I believe last year, even Ray Ray McLeod managed to gather 66 targets in this offense. And Ray Ray McLeod is kind of somebody we would think of as probably more of a gadgety type player, not somebody that, you know, we think of as a major receiver more of like a, a return guy things like that so and again with what we don't know about Deontay Johnson and his status we don't know ultimately the long-term um, solution here it could end up being Calvin Austin as the third wide receiver um, in three right three receiver sets things like that so it's a it's a good solid receiver room it's a great place where they really develop their receivers they obviously wanted him on the team some people were thinking because of his size he may not be drafted or he may be drafted much later in the draft so fourth round draft capital is not great great not brilliant but it's not nothing either so that would be my sort of sneaky stash just somebody to grab up for cheap or again get thrown in on a deal just to see what happens and you never know with these kind of guys that are in a good situation with a good coaching staff they may be able to pop off um, and, and actually provide some value to your roster so just to wrap things up here dave do you have any sort of bold predictions for the steelers do you have anything that jumps to mind something that you feel uh spicy enough to throw out for us so i actually have two really two really quick ones i think my first bold prediction is steelers fans will realize that uh pitt wasted the final three years of juju's career making him run short routes when he's going to be dominating kansas city this year so there's one that's not even really a kc uh, or a really a Pittsburgh thing, but just a little shot out. I can I, I still get frustrated with Juju and I'm not even the, I'm actually, I'm a pretty big Juju guy. So, so anyway, there, there we go. And then, but a real one, uh, uh, another one is a negative one. I guess both these are negative. I guess I have some, uh, some hate towards Pittsburgh. I didn't realize, but Mike Tomlin has his first losing season and Pitt finishes last in last place. I don't feel very confident about this, however, but Pitt fans are fun to piss off even more than Patriots fans, I think. So I had to give that, give those two in there. Oh dear. That is, that is not good. I'm going to, I'll have to say something opposite of you just to, to, you know, play the devil's advocate <laughs> here. So I'll have to say my bold prediction is that the Steelers will make the playoffs this year. Um, even though they have such a crazy quarterback situation because of Mike Tomlin and his great coaching abilities, he's going to get the best out of these guys and they are going to somehow make the playoffs either to win the division or as a wild card. So there you 
go. There you go, folks. We've talked Steelers. We've got a lot of players for you to consider getting hold of or getting rid of. Hopefully you've enjoyed that and make sure and join us again tomorrow when we're talking about the Cleveland Browns. I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. <laughs>